Hi, and welcome to Femmes Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Asiet, and this podcast aims to support, educate, and empower women to achieve career success and financial freedom. In each episode, Femmes Finance talks with successful women leaders, founders, and investors to inspire you in your journey to financial freedom. Check out the show notes, links, and resources on our page, femmesfinance.life. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Femmes Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Asil Altaeva. And on today's episode, I'm excited to have Orina Cheng as a guest speaker. Orina Cheng is an experienced alternative investments director, a senior portfolio manager, and an international client advisor at Morgan Stanley. Orina Cheng holds a BA from Columbia University in East Asian Studies, as well as MBA from Columbia Business School, where she received the Academic Achievement Award on Value Investing. She has over 25 years of experience managing institutional and retail investments and has been with Morgan Stanley since 2016. And now we are excited to have her on the show today to share her insights and expertise with our listeners. I'm excited to have you as a guest speaker on our podcast, Arena. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. It's my pleasure. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for accepting our request and finding a time in your busy schedule. So now before we start, uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? It would be great to hear your own story and learn how it shapes your core values. Sure. So I was actually born in Taiwan, in Asia, and I came here when I was 14 to the U.S. Um, so I've had, you know, two cultures. Um, most people from Asia, they don't have the fortunate um how do I say upbringing that I did, at least, you know, I really appreciate my, the way that my dad um, raised me. He was um, always very encouraging. Um, he lets me make my own mistakes and he lets me fail and try and learn um, from my own experiences. You know, he doesn't dictate what I should be doing, what's the best path forward but instead he lets me try. And I think that really shaped um, the core value that I have today um, in everything, my personal life, my professional life, um, everything that I do, which is I'm not afraid to take uh, risk and I'm not afraid to try things that I want to do, no matter how unconventional um, they are. And that's why when you uh, look me up, you could probably see um, my speech to the Columbia University students for the own traditional students and say that, you know, the path from high school to college is not a straight path. You don't have to always go into college right after high school. Just pursue your passion as long as you are not wasting your life and, you know, learn from your mistakes and adjust along the way. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and all the valuable lessons that you've learned from your parents. It is also very interesting that you have a huge experience of, you know, different careers, which obviously has allowed you to explore different careers and different interests and passions. Um, you know, can you share some of your advice and insights that you've learned throughout your career journey on how to find the right career path and also discover our passion? 
Well, so I think that, you know, as a person, we're always evolving. The person you are today, the core value is the same, but, you know, the person you are today is probably not going to be the same, um, you know, 20 years later, and hopefully not the same 20 years later, because you're always improving yourself, right? So for me, um, the advice that I would give to my younger self and maybe the young people today, um, I would say what is more important to find a career path and the path passion um, is to look for jobs or opportunities that gives you a lot of exposure to many different people, right? So either um, you work for a big company or a small company, hopefully what you do allows you to get exposure to um, either people internally in your organization or people externally outside of your organization. And I think the more exposure you get to different people, the more opportunities that you would have um, for your career, right? So um, when I started my career, I was a private equity analyst and you know I had to work with a lot of my companies and I had to meet a lot of this, you know, um, entrepreneurs, CEOs, um, different external people. So even though I work for a small fund where there weren't that many internal people, I had exposure to a lot of outside people. I had to work with investment bankers. I had to work with lawyers. I had to work with investors. So that taught me a lot, right? So I would advise that um, the young people today, um, if you can get into a career that allows you the exposure and the visibility internally and exposure, you know, to as many people as possible. And I think that would help you in, um, you know, opening up a lot of different doors and finding your true passion because you wouldn't know unless you have exposure to a lot of different things. Uh, how do you think, what are some key factors that we need to consider when making a career decision and how can we go about exploring different options and finding a fulfilling career? You know, for me, um, it really depends on a person's personality, right? And I think um, the first thing is doing something you're good at doing. I think that's very important because when you're doing something you're good, uh, you will do a good job. The second thing is do something that you enjoy doing because when you do it, you enjoy doing it, then, you know, you would also do a good job. And that's kind of a you know, a positive, um, you know, reinforcement, right, over and over. And then for me, um, I'm more technical, I would say that, uh, you know, I'm more into doing my job and doing it the best I can. Um, instead of um, when I was younger, my younger self, um, instead of uh, knowing how to manage people around me, like how to manage up, manage down, that was not my strength. My strength was looking at investments, looking at numbers. So for me, I needed a, a job that is very clearly measured in terms of my performance, right? It's very black and white. Um, so what is the company that I invest in? What's the return on our capital invested? That is very black and white. There is no, I like her. I don't like her. Should we promote her? Should we not? Uh, so something that is very easily and um, clearly measured is very important to me. Now, if you're very good at interpersonal skills and relationships, then maybe that would be less important because, you know, if people really like you, you'll get promoted too. So you either do a really good job or you make other people like you. So, you know, that's sort of 
depending on who you are, that's how you would pick it. But um, for me, it's doing something I like, doing something I'm good at, and then, you know, have a very clear performance measurement. Mm, okay, I understand now. Um, your, you know, framework of choosing a rights career path reminded me of a very famous uh, Japanese concept called Ikigai, uh, which is basically the intersection of uh, what we are good at, what we enjoy doing in life, uh, what the world needs, as well as uh, what we can be paid for. And now from what you're saying, I understand that it's very effective and useful framework, and we should all consider um, this framework when thinking about our career path. Arena, what are some of your personal tips and strategies for achieving career and life success, particularly as a female leader in a male-dominated field? You know, because my job, as I said, has always been in investment management. Um, and so I was a private equity analyst. Then I was a fund of fund um, manager, portfolio manager. Both are very easily measured in terms of my performance, right? How how was my investment doing? Um, did I pick the right investment? Did I pick the wrong investment? Um, and then my third job um well, then I, I managed my real estate investment for my family for a while, which is also very easily measured. And then, you know, now being a financial advisor, you know, is also very easily measured. How do I do for my clients in terms of their investment? How do I do for Morgan Stanley in terms of the um, amount of assets I manage um, for the firm? So because all my jobs are so uh, clearly measured in for my performance, it really um, is easy for me, regardless of my gender or my, you know, ethnicity, my skin color. You know, there's really no, um, for me, glass ceilings, uh, as people would say, because either I'm doing a good job or I'm not doing a good job, right? I don't, I don't rely on um, managing that uh, relationship or internal um, sort of the political relationship. That's not what my job um, entails. So um, that's one way to do it. But I would say um, because Morgan Stanley, you know, my first two jobs, I was working for funds and that was, you know, much smaller upper uh, organizations, right? Private equities and hedge funds, they're much smaller than a Morgan Stanley, which is 70,000 people. So um, I think in a very large organization, um, being a female and being a um, minority, it is a little bit harder, right? Because you are now having to navigate the firm. But luckily in today's world, everyone is talking about woman empowerment, female empowerment. And for Morgan Stanley, we're really trying hard to help the woman succeed, right? Still woman is a very small percentage in the financial industry, especially uh, in the front office, right? Usually they do more supporting roles. And so there are less women doing what we are doing. Um, so Morgan Stanley does give everything that they can give to support and to kind of grow that population. Um, so I would say it's a very fortunate time for women today to be getting into finance because I'm sure other than Morgan Stanley, all the other banks are probably trying to do the same thing. And the other financial uh, institutions are probably doing the same thing. I would encourage women to go to like women's um, network events, um, finding a good mentor internally in the organization, 
um, you know, reach out to your diversity um, officers, you know, for help if you need to. So there are all these building infrastructures um, to help women. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's a really good time. When I first came into the industry, I was the only one uh, in private equity as a female Asian. So, but luckily, you know, it was very easily measured, as I said. So, you know, I had no issue, but today is even nicer for women. Yeah, and I think you can find a lot of support. When I was in, when I first started Morgan Stanley, it's very daunting, um, large firm, I didn't know anyone. But when I got on the Women's Council Committee and the Diversity Committee, I got to meet a lot of people internally and I just got a lot of support and a lot of help and a lot of resources to help me get through some tough times. Amazing. I'm very glad to hear that there are some big positive changes happening in the world to support and also empower women to take leadership positions. Uh, so my next question is about uh, the balance of life and you know work. With increasing demands and responsibilities, I believe it can be very challenging to find a balance between work and other important aspects of life, such as um, you know, family, friends, hobbies, and self-care. Uh, can you share some of your personal strategies and tips on how to effectively balance and manage work and family life? You know, for me, like I said, um, I um, I'm never afraid to take a, a a risk, right? And I'm never afraid to do um, what I want to do, re regardless of how um, unconventional it is. Um, I think the biggest career challenge for me throughout my life has always been finding that life-work balance, right? So um, when I was in private equity, I was working, um, I don't know, around the clock. And I traveled so much that I spent maybe six months and a year in hotels in various different countries to a point that I would wake up in the middle of the night and think to myself, where am I right now? Which country am I? I would turn on my TV and try to hear what they're saying on TV, what language it is to kind of give me a hint where I was. One time I was in Hong Kong and I turned on the TV, it was in English, but I was like, but I'm not in America. I'm not in London. Where am I? Then it had to, I took a while to, to say, oh yeah, I'm in Hong Kong, you know? So it was really tough. Um, I was, I knew I was really good um, at um, picking the investments, building financial models. Um, and I was very good at connecting different uh, people, the external people together um, to make everyone work together. That was my strength. But I really hated my schedule. Um, I didn't have time to see my friends. I was always on the road. I have one day where I get paid a large bonus and then I go and, you know, enjoy that bonus for one day and then I go back to work. And, you know, that's, I didn't think life should be that way. So I said, okay, I don't want to do this. Maybe I'm going to switch to the hedge fund world in which I'm still doing investments, but now I'm tied to market hours. I have, you know, um, 9.30 where market opens, 4 o'clock where market closes. 
Um, I can read up everything online for research or, you know, on reports because, you know, these are all public companies or not private. I don't have to necessarily visit every company all the time, right? And I can talk to managers, et cetera. Um, then, you know, it worked, right? So my my um, schedule was uh, much more manageable, but then I got married and I had kids and then it became not workable again, because then now, you know, even though I was having set hours, but I didn't see my kids um, necessarily when I leave, they're sleeping. When I come back home, they're already, they have already gone to sleep. So I said, okay, this is not what I want. I'm going to change, right? So I decided to do something else. And this is how I eventually landed as a financial advisor, which I have complete control of my schedule. Um, and I can be a mom and I can, you know, still raise my kids. So my, my, what I'm saying is that that has been um, the challenge is to find that um, balance between your, your career and your um, family um, life, especially as a woman. And the way that I deal with it is I'm not afraid to take a risk to say, this is not what I want to do. I'm going to do something else. Um, and that something else is going to um, maybe uh, have, you know, the the skill that I learned from my previous experience and I can transfer and take to my next, um, you know, work uh, position, but then, you know, fix what I, what didn't work previously. And I think as we evolve, we just keep on discovering ourselves and um, our our strength. And then we keep finding something that's more suitable for us and what works for us and think, well, if this is not going to work for me now, what is next? You know, don't be afraid to and to take a risk and do something new. And like I said previously, if you're doing something that allows you the a lot of exposure to a lot of different people, either internally or externally, it's always going to lead to new opportunities if that particular one doesn't work. Yeah. So, so I would say, you know, evaluate yourself, um, look at what's not working for you and then, you know, go for something that you think it's going to work. If it doesn't work, there's always other opportunities that's, that's going to open up. Mm, thank you so much for sharing all these important tips and strategies. So we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to think what works for us and what doesn't work. And based on the, based on those answers, then we have to choose our next step, which is very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing it. Now let's move on to the next set of questions related to financial literacy. Um, what advice would you give to young women who are looking to improve their financial literacy and also uh, develop effective investment strategies? I would say, um, you know, read a lot, right? Um, most people think about financial literacy as just investing, investing your money. But I think it's a lot more than that. Um, understanding, uh, you know, uh, what's a checking account? What's a savings account? What's a brokerage account? Um, what is your credit uh, score? Um, how do you file taxes, right? Um, how do you budget? Um, I think all those are very important. Um, skill to have right so i would say 
start as young as you can, you know, even when you're 13, 14, 18 in college, right? I think the, a lot of banks have like a starter credit card um, for college students. Those are really great ways to start learning about not overspending and, and you know, put on a lot of um, expenses on your credit card and not being able to pay for it, et cetera. And then when you graduate, when you have your first um, job, I would say, you know, uh, be very cognizant of how much you're making, what's your fixed cost, what's your um, uh, variable cost, and how much can you save, and what are you saving for, right? So have goals, right? Define your goals. I'm going to save for um, that bag I want to buy. I'm going to save for that vacation I want to take. I'm going to save for that home I want to buy. I'm going to save for those, um, the retirement that I'm going to have. So as you get older, your um, kind of financial goals horizon becomes longer and bigger. And then, you know, the next step, I think it's very important is, and this is what I've been trying to teach everyone. And I do a lot of speaking events on this. Knowing your financial um, investment uh, time horizon should determine your risk level that you are going to take for your investment. So for example, if this money that you're saving is for tomorrow, then you don't want to invest it because you're going to spend it tomorrow. And if you invest in stocks, it might go down, then you will lose it, right? You'll lose your um, investment. But it's, if it's for 30 years, then you can take more risk. You can invest in private equity. You can invest in, you know, a 100% stock portfolio. So determine that. And then pick um, accordingly based on the investment time frame. Um, and I, I think um, every young person and everybody should have more than one account. You should have an account for your everyday, you know, uh, expenses. That's your checking account. You should have your retirement account where you put, you say, you put money away for your retirement. That's the longest horizon. That's when you can take the most risk. And then everything in between, you know, either you want to buy a bag, you want to go on vacation, you want to buy a home, you want to buy a second home, depending on how long that is, then you pick different risk level appropriately. And that's a whole different conversation. But I would um, suggest that everyone read more about that and try to learn as much as you can. I think there are two people or two uh, things that are most important to everyone's life. One is your financial wealth or health, and the other one is your physical health, right? And your emotional health, of course. So, you know, it's a it's a very um, necessary skill that I think all the young women should really start um, learning and start practicing. Can you suggest any specific books or, uh, you know, other resources that we can use in order to make more informed decisions about our money? If you want to read about finance and the market and investment, um, I would say that just read the news, right? Yahoo News, um, Wall Street Journal. I, I read uh, Seeking Alpha every morning. I read um, Bloomberg every morning. So those are uh, really good um, articles to read every day to keep yourself updated about investments. Morgan Stanley actually does a very good course in teaching the next generation about credit cards, credit scores, you know, checking account, um, those the, the basic financial literacy. Um, 
I don't know if there's a book on that though, but I'm happy to invite uh, our other speakers to to teach if that's something everyone's interested. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, next question. Uh, so we're all like our listeners, including me, we're all in the early 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, based on the information that you've acquired in your career, in your you know studies, uh, what are three things you do with your money right now? So I am very disciplined in uh, separating my money into different parts. You know, I have my checking account, I have my retirement account, and then I have, you know, my kind of medium, medium term um, account, right? So number one thing that I do is I put them in different investment horizon, and they are invested in different risk levels. Right. So that's the first thing that I do with my money. The second thing is that um, I am not very good at um, like keeping record of what I spend. Right. So um, since and, and I'm not good at that since I was a very young kid. So I've kind of have a little cheat way in my head is, OK, this month. I'm going to allow myself to spend, you know, let's say 20% of my earning to uh, variable uh, spending, um, you know, outside of my fixed spending, right? Um, and and let's say that equates to, I don't know, $5,000. I'm just picking a ra random number. I try to put everything on my credit card so that I know how much I've spent this month. When it approaches 5,000, I stop. So I don't really say, oh, I'm only, I'm going to spend, you know, um, 1,000 on food and 2,000 on uh, this and, you know, 1,000 on that. I'm, it's a, to me, it's a credit card number and I put it all together. And when I see it's approaching my limit, I slow down. Right. So that's my second thing that I do. Um, just kind of an easy math um, with my money. And then the number three thing that I do, which I emphasize greatly, is that once you put your money into investment and then you take appropriate risk level, don't let the market spook you out, right? So if you see you're in a diversified portfolio and, you know, you, you own, you know, 100 stocks or 500 stocks, whatever number, it, it's diversified and the market is not doing well, like, this year, don't get scared, don't spook out, and don't sell out because chances are you're selling out at a big loss. And then, you know, then the market has a bounce and then you come back in and then you're now losing money, right? That's the easiest way to kind of lose all your investments. So I think those are the three important things. Yeah, great advice. Uh, I, will, I will definitely write down and follow your advice. <laughs> Great, uh, wise approach on keeping money. Right now, as uh, we're we're in college, we have like part time job. We have a scholarship money, mm -hmm. and we definitely save some portion of the money, and then we want to invest. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your strategy and how to pick good stocks? You're in college, or you're you know just right after college. I would say just invest all in in you know. I, I would do it in all in stocks, right? Because if you do fixed income, you know, generally uh, over a long period of time, your um, performance will not be as good because the risk is lower. So your performance will be lower too, right? It's always two sides. Um, and then I would not pick stocks because that's not your profession. 
And, you know, people who do that, they do it for a living and they have to watch their stocks all the time. They have to listen to earnings. They have to make sure that the company is on track. They have to make sure that the management is always doing the right thing. So it's not something for someone who is, um, you know, not a professional to do. So I would just invest in a a diversified ETF like the S&P 500. Right. And, you know, there are many um, ETFs that track the S&P 500. So I would just pick one, you know, just go to Google and type S&P 500 ETF. And then you probably get a list of it. Go into each one and look for the expense ratio. Right. Some something that is the lowest expense ratio. That means you're paying the least um, amount of cost. And over the long run, that should make you the best amount of money. I mean, just some simple rules. Thank you so much. Uh, this is the end of our podcast. What is the last thing that you want to share with our young women listening to our podcast? I would say that this is such a great time um, for the young women out there. The world is definitely changing here where I am in America. It's funny when I, you know, I came from Taiwan and Taiwan is definitely um very equal in terms of uh, uh, gender employment, uh, very equal in, the, in gender. Um, in the U.S., I think we're a little bit lag behind. The woman is definitely um, not being promoted as much for doing the same kind of job, right? But that's changing today. So I'm very excited um, about that. And I, um, ex- I'm excited for you and for myself as well. Um, and, you know, for someone, you know, you're very impressive that you're, putting together these podcasts to help the women out there. So I'm just extremely excited for the new landscape. And I encourage everyone to pursue your dream. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Do what you enjoy doing. Do what you're good at doing. Constantly re- uh, evaluate yourself to find your strength and keep shaping your career and try to fix the parts that don't work. And you know, I think over time, everyone will do great amazing such a wonderful advice thank you so much arena for being with us today and sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience on career development and investment strategies with young women all around the world thank you so much for supporting us and contributing to women empowerment and development i cannot express how grateful i am and how uh, blessed i am to be able to host a podcast with you and thank you for supporting famous finance podcast Thank you so much for listening to FMS Finance Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and write a review on your favorite podcast player. To view the show notes, links, and resources mentioned in today's show, head to famousfinance.life.